Well, hey, I am really excited. I mean, Andy's already said it. Like, what just nourishment to my soul, like, to hear voices joined in, um, just to exalt our God, to lift up the name of Jesus, to come and, and to respond and, and to, to hear it here and to see it, uh, knowing that it's happening in, in each of these houses, um, truly just encouraged and was kind of like, I don't want to stop. Like, can we please just keep going and looking forward to some more time of that after uh, this teaching. But I am grateful to be here with all of you, whether you're in the room or you're over Zoom. Um, I can't wait till we're all in the same room again, whenever that is. I am definitely grateful that we have technology to have a, a kind of a real-time connection, and I love that we have people leading from their homes. It's just a great picture, uh, just a small picture of, of really kind of our heart and our convictions anyway, right? That it, it doesn't happen just in a building. Coming into this time, we're gonna, there's a bit of like a refrain, and I say kind of what I'm thinking about right now, what we have an opportunity for tonight, will probably start to feel and sound a little, a little repetitive. And it's because of why, kind of how we understand why we gather in this way. You know, we, as the bridge, um, Houston, we, we gather and we exist as a, as a network of house churches. You know, we, we really kind of focus on seeing the, the call to make disciples push down to the everyday, to where we're, it's not just about a Sunday rhythm, but it's about everyday mission. And so, so with that, you know, we, we gather most often kind of, and we live life kind of in these smaller communities, these communities as our house churches. And then once a month, we want to come together for these times to really remember, again, the greater context of who we are and the greater opportunity to, and to, to celebrate God's faithfulness. But another opportunity that's here is we, is we kind of, as we think of these times, kind of as we would see in Paul's and in the, in the other epistles, the, le the letters that we see in scripture, those letters that we saw, the letters like Philippians and Colossians and, and Galatians and Ephesians and the like, but what we see is that, um, is that they're really, I mean, they're pastoral moments, right? I mean, there's life happening. There's everyday life happening in these communities, right? There, there's, there's ministry happening. There's leadership happening. But Paul and other leaders that had kind of overseeing leadership took opportunities to speak into specific opportunities and to specific needs and to remind these, these communities who they were, who God, who God is, what he's called them to, what he has specifically shaped them for, and to, to also give instruction in times and, and really just to unify around, again, one heart, one truth in Jesus, one baptism in him, and then to, again, to compel us and to release us onward and outward from there. And so we want to do that here as well. And so today really is kind of just just a kind of a pastoral encouragement um, as, as we are praying and just seeking the Lord. We want to just, again, once again today, really kind of have a posture of just kind of one of these, these, these pastoral moments. And so, you know, thinking about as I was kind of praying and preparing, and we were discussing as elders, um, you know, and, and oftentimes the Lord kind of works from where you are, right? And so uh, maybe this is all, like, maybe this is all really just to help me. But, but one of the things that, you know, I thought about was how, as we have been pursuing to exist as house churches, um, this, maybe this is something you've heard of. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something you get the notion of. But very few of us, if any of us, have actually really experienced what we're pursuing, and, and because we live in a context where there's a norm that's really not what we're pursuing, there's often some comparative kind of questions that happen. And, and you know, when you think about kind of 
our house churches and like kind of gathering in the small. And then we look at this collective gathering and, you know, we see again that it's not as, as, as large as others or even as large as we once were as we gathered. That There's possibly some questions that come up of kind of, are we positioning ourselves to be as effective as we could be? Like that's, that's a pretty good motive question. That's a great motive question. But, but some of, if we're honest in our heart of hearts, like some of us kind of long for some of those other like some of what we see where there are, are again, larger gatherings or, or even just, again, we, we kind of had these questions come up. And so there's, I want to kind of address quickly just some practicality to help liberate our conscience, maybe just a little bit of shepherding of the heart and mind. But then the rest of our talk is going to be some, some more substantive spiritual realities and, and truth to, to this opportunity. And so just practically speaking, just to make sure we're speaking to kind of hearts and minds and consciences, you know, when we think about this collective gathering, I'm actually, I mean, just great transparency, way more people than I thought were going to be here today. Like just, I was like, I was like, just going to be like five people here, five people on zoom and praise the Lord. Like we're going to do it. And, and, and so, but that's kind of what I was expecting, but, um, as we think about, again, the way that we're gathered, right, we are focusing on living everyday mission as these small communities hyper-focused and hyper-present in these localities, right, and, and living together and, and pursuing one another, pursuing to, to love and lead one another, as well as pursuing to help each other engage communities with the gospel of Jesus, to see his name lifted up, to see people come to know him and disciples of Jesus made and living in these flourishing lives of knowing him, right? And so, so when we think about this, one, I just, I guess I just want to frame a little bit of expectation with these gatherings. Like our heart for these, again, is a chance to make great of God, to exalt him, to tell stories of what he is doing and what he has done, both in our midst as well as for all of history, because he's the same God doing the same work. We want to, again, come to his word and be encouraged and challenged. We want to just see one another and remember that we, are, we belong to a people. Right. And so, so yes, like these are important, but then when you think about it, put next to the, the kind of that, the, the, our house church communities, where the places that we're pursuing to be most known, to be, to be most connected, to be most aware and, 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 and kind of intertwined into each other's lives. And then therefore also not just about what we are together, but why God has put us together for a specific place in a specific time. So I'm getting to a point here, I promise. So, so when we think about just practically speaking, as we're making decisions, kind of where we spend our time, because at the end of the day, we know that there are going to be times that life takes us out for a weekend, whether it's our work, whether it's a, a, a time with family, whether we just need to, you know, to get away and be alone with the Lord, like weekends are times where that works for us a lot. And so we know that there are going to be weekends where we have to pull away. And, and you, again, thinking about it, if you're going to put like, am I going to miss my house church gathering? If you're looking, I got to miss one week this month. I'm going to miss my house church gathering. I'm going to miss the collective gathering. It's quite natural to already start with like emphasizing the house church gathering. Cause that makes sense. Like you're right. These are the, this is the place you're known. This is the place where you're, you're, you're really intimately um, poured into sharpened and exhorted and you're equipped for again, kingdom ministry. It's the people you're, you're locking arms with to love your community. So it's quite natural. And I just want to kind of put that in, just bring it into the light and acknowledge it. Like we want it and we say it should matter to be present with the body of Christ and to gather often and to get and to prioritize it, right? We're compelled to not to forsake gathering together. And, and, and we would say like, hey, 
if you if it's possible, you should in, be present with the gathered body of Christ as we gather. And we've committed to say, hey, whatever we do, we're doing on purpose. And whatever we do matters. And it should be a prayerful kind of considered decision. But at the end of the day, we know that it's probably not abnormal that our collective worship gatherings might be the time that a lot of people are out. And we just want to say, hey, go as the Lord leads. And whoever is here, whether it's five or whether it's 500, we have the same opportunity. We have the same opportunity to come together and again, to exalt our God, to be in fellowship in him, to, to be again, sharpened and, and, and strengthened by, the, by his word and to minister to that to one another. And we just want to set our hearts towards that. And so, you know, again, maybe it was just for me. If it was, thank you for indulging me. But I think it's helpful as we kind of set healthy expectations and learn kind of this way of life that we're pursuing just to call that into the light. And then the other aspect, the more substantive and foundational reality is what we're going to talk about today. And that is that small things matter. And really that God is a God of small things and small beginnings. And like I said, pretty conversational day. But to start, just to kind of help us get a grasp of where we're starting here, is that there's a, a painter I was actually introduced to by my kids. They came home um, doing some rhyme. Kids, I can't remember the rhyme, but it was something like dots, dots, George Surratt paints with dots. Was that close? Was that close? I don't know. They know as much as me. But it's something like that. And there's this artist, this French artist named George Serrati, painted in the 1800s. And, and he painted this painting. We can see it here. This is titled A Sunday on La Grande Jatte. I think that's how you would pronounce it if you're French. And if you look at this piece of art, this was in 1884, there's not one stroke on this entire piece. George Serrat utilized a, a form of art called pointillism. And it's just dot by dot. And so what you see here is a culmination of I don't know how many dots. More than five, though. I think it's more than five. But you think about this. You think about this process, the, the vision it had to take and the patience it had to take. Because you think about, like, how many dots did Surratt have to do before any kind of semblance of a scene took shape? Dot after 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 dot. You get the point before finally at some point he starts to see, I don't know his process, but starts to see something that we see. It's just what I want to kind of catapult us into this is that. When we, when, in this life of faith, in this walking with God, this is how God works. God is a God of small beginnings. And what we have to see is this invitation to trust and to walk in faithfulness in the small, to know that eventually we will see God's masterpiece, God's faithfulness, God's promises delivered. And I will just tell you personal testimony, like I am in this moment right now. I sat beside a fire with Jason Hartman three nights ago, and I'm like, and, and I'm sitting here spilling my guts out, and he goes Job on me. And he's just like, hey, who are you? to question the one who has the storehouses of snow, the one who, who makes light, light, right? He's like, who are you to question that? Like your opportunity is just to wait in faith. And so, hey, coming from a personal place right now, know that like I am in this moment and I know that many of you are as well. And so this is what just real quickly, I want us to invite us into, because guess what? Like we look at us and it's, I mean, like we, we are in a small, a season of small beginnings, we're at the genesis of something new. Yes, the bridge has been around for almost seven years, but what we've stepped into is something brand new. 
And, and, and I want to be clear on this. We are not postured as house churches as just a temporary provision for the pandemic. And two, we're not postured in house churches just until we can afford more building and more staff. We are postured in this way. And again, if, you, if this is kind of a new conversation to you, we'd love to take the conversation farther. We've done a couple of series throughout the year on, on what is the church. Please dig in deeper. But we are postured in this way because we believe for us in this season, this is what the Lord, what God has compelled and led us to as a way of life to most fully embody what the church is meant to be as the people of God living out the purpose of God. And so this is not temporary. It is not just a provision. It is something that we are going to continue to live out because what we're going to see today is that the small matters in the small matters. And so God is a God of small beginnings, right? Like his, his intention to multiply his image across the entire face of the earth started with original man and woman. That was his mandate to them. Then we come forward to, to, to Abram and Sarai, in Genesis 12, and we look at verses 1 through 3, he says, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of earth shall be blessed. And so what we see is here God's covenant, his first covenant with Abram, who later became Abraham, was that through your family, as I bless and work through your family, the entire families of the world for all time will be blessed because it is through you that my love, my character, my reality will be revealed. And therefore, as people come to know me, that is their greatest blessing. That, that blessing, that, that proclamation of through your family, that's one little family. And by the way, this was an old couple that couldn't have kids, right? Like crazy. So again, not just small, but also unlikely. So we see it in the covenant. And guess what? We see it in the picture of the kingdom that Jesus teaches us in Matthew 13, 31. Jesus says this. He says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field, right? A mustard seed, the smallest of seeds. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So see what's happening here. It is saying, hey, there is a small work that has begun and it is continuing and it will continue to the, to the completion both in each person's life, as well as God's ultimate, his ultimate work of redeeming all of creation and humanity, right? It's the, the kingdom is, is all that is under God's rule and reign. And all that God does in his rule and reign is consistent with who he is. And so we see in the smallest of things, God is working to bring the magnitude of all that he has promised and is doing. And so we see, again, that small has great importance in the kingdom of God. So why does this matter to us beyond just helping our conscience with who we are today? What are the implications? And, and, and I think it's good to acknowledge that there's a misconception of the value of what is of big, right? And in our world, especially in our culture, like big is often equated with success and importance. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but I don't get asked to go speak at any conferences, right? Like I don't, and I don't, that's fine. But like, I don't get, like, you don't get, 
there's no one looking for the, the beauty and the small expressions. Like it's, and I, it's human nature. I get it. Like it's, it's not noticeable, like it's fine, but I'm just saying like it, that there is in our world and our culture, big is often equated kind of to, to a, um, a false correlation of success and importance, but let hear this too. Big is not necessarily bad, right? Like we're not saying that, especially, Hey, since we're here talking about our existence as a church, I want to be really clear that big churches are not bad. Like, that is not the point of this. Do not walk away with this. Like, do not walk away with that. Big is not bad, not necessarily. Big is just not the point, is what we're driving at. You know, talking about this, this heart, this opportunity, and this posture of patience and faithfulness, as, as, we were, as I was kind of preparing and thinking through this, I was just thinking about Zechariah. And, um, you know, they're, 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 they're working towards the restoration of Israel after the exile, and he says this, he says, whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. And so she see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And so what we're talking about here is the moment that the plumb line is hung, that the rebuilding begun, began, begins, the people, the beginning of the restoration of the people of Israel. And so what he's saying is like, hey, because you think about the, the small things they had to endure, just the, the years of question and anguish without much return. He's saying like, hey, any of you that, that despise the small things, you will rejoice because you will see God's faithfulness once again. Another way of saying that is don't despise the small things because we are actually, we are, we are turning back the, we are turning back the hand of God in the small and the mundane. We often think bigger is better because of this, because we look at things in terms of human power. There is a direct and human ability there is a direct, like the world has to see that big is better because big is better when it comes to the economy of the world. Like there is a direct, direct correlative output of what my hand can produce. Like I, I will, I will reap what my hand can produce by the power and ability of my hand and stamina. That's what I'm going to get. And yes, like if we band together, we can get a bump, but it's still just a bump of what we can do. And the reason why we think bigger is better because we're locked into thinking in human terms. And even in our perspectives of faith, we think of that. I mean, again, like my moment right now, I'm like, yeah, but what about, and that's just because I'm thinking with like my, my hands and my timeline. So here's the reality. The problem is not size because you can have the same problems if you're small or if you're big. Our problem is our faith. And this is not a name it and claim it. This is not a, a prosperity, like you have more faith, you'll get. But our problem is our faith born out our, our view of God. I would say we have too small a faith because, you know, this week, um, where, where was I? What were we reading? I don't even remember what context we were reading this in, but it got to the moment that Jesus said, to Peter, who do you say that I am? Am I, is this next week's devotionals, Karen? I think this is next week's devotionals. I don't know. But it was like, who do you say that I am? And I was like, everything up to this moment. And G oh, yes, it's coming up next week's sermon in Mark. Here we go. So we're excited to be back in Mark next week. Just here's a little preview, little preview. But like everything in Mark up to this moment leads to Jesus asking Peter, who do you say that I am? And when it comes to our understanding of like how we view this world, our problem is, who do we say God is? Who do we see him to be? And I would submit to all of us that we have domesticated God. 
we have taken God and created him in our image and ascribed to him our abilities. And so therefore, when we are thinking and pursuing what is possible, we're actually only pursuing what's possible by our means, by our wisdom, by our creativity, by our stamina. So who is God to you? How do you view him is the question. You know, thinking about Jesus's leading of the disciples, I mean, how often did he say something to the effect of, of oh, you of little faith? How long will you not see? And so we see that I think we've domesticated God. We don't, we don't look to the possibility of a supernatural, all creator, holy, sovereign king working in our midst, working in our lives, working through our efforts. So, you know, it's interesting. Again, if you just want kind of like some little indicators of where you're at with this, have you ever had the thought of like, how can just me, how can I by myself make a difference? I think that's some of that mentality. Again, there's two things to that, of course, just some quick freebies. Like one, we are talking in the context of like, do we turn to the Lord and trust him to work and lead? Two, we've also been given the church, the body of Christ to bind, to be bound together. Don't, I can't leave that out. But I appreciate, you know, thinking about prayers of faith and prayers of great faith. You know, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. Like what is a prayer, a prayerfulness of little faith versus a prayerfulness of great faith? A life of little faith and a life of great faith look like. There, there's a, a pastor in Germany I've been introduced recently, and I appreciate his name's Dietrich Schindler, named after Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know who that is. But I appreciate how he articulates the difference between little faith and great faith. He says this, great faith always trusts God for what's beyond our human means and capacity to produce. Little faith trusts God for what can usually be engineered by human effort. And I remember the first time I ever went through um, my utmost first highest by Oswald Chambers. I mean, I went through the entire year. Still, I still just remember one devotion. And it was this moment where, where Chambers said, we often operate in the realm of common sense and then tack God onto it. And again, like, are, are we a people that have been changed by grace through faith? Are we a people that are, that are not what we were? <coughs> are we a people that have seen the fruit of God in our life? The call has always been the same. God is not limited to our abilities or capacities. A matter of fact, we see that he is most glorified in honor in our weakness and frailties, right? In Corinthians, we see that, that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. In our weakness, the testimony of his goodness and glory is all the more clear because it's way beyond any human output. It's way beyond any human love, any human compassion, any human kindness, any human unity, right? And so we see this has always been the same Again, through one family, all the families of the world are to be blessed. And, and hear this, please. Like, we should expect and pursue big things. I mean, I pray with all of my heart that through what we're pursuing, that we would see a, a transformational movement of the gospel that's beyond our control, where we have a people that are captivated by the grace of God in Christ every day and in awe and overtaken and just overwhelmed. And it's, and it's a struggle just to, to kind of step up out of that, that, that moment with Jesus.
because it's just so rich. But then to know that I have a purpose in this world other than that right to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I pray that through a people being overtaken like this and living every day, everyday mission in the places of, in their families, in their homes, in their places of work, in their hobbies, that we would see again, a move of people going from death to life and salvation in Jesus coming into the community of faith, whether it's us or another and grown up to flourishing life in Christ, to be a disciple maker, to take this on alongside once again, I pray that happens. I pray that we see something that, <clears throat> that we can't even imagine right now. I pray that. I do. Like, we should pray that. That's kind of the point. But, again, it is through the small of the daily life of Christ's followers, surrendered, believing, trusting, and submitting to what God has commanded, called us to, and promised for us. And so, so we think about this. Like, what's the opportunity here, okay? So, like, I'm supposed to have big faith. So, this is not just a choice you get to make. The application is not, okay, go have more faith. Like, hit your faith switch, and you're good. Like, that's not the opportunity today, right? That's not. And that's the beauty of it. That's, that shows the heart of our God. Because he could just say, like, like hit you in the head, and, like, why don't you trust me? Like, I, I mean, I've, in my flesh, I've had that indignation with my kids I actually, Amber and I had a conversation last night where it was just like, I took something personal that had no need to be taken personal. And it's because I was internalizing that she wasn't trusting me when she was just asking a simple question. Like, like how, how often do we have questions, like uh, these questions that, that seems that I'm sure are like just so elementary and foundational and yet God is patient and he brings us along. He never shuns us away for asking what we need. And so the, the, the opportunity today is not go flip your faith switch faith comes through two things that I want to call out today comes through fellowship with the living God comes through knowing him and it comes through actually practicing faith stepping walking in obedience and that's and I appreciate something that has been kind of resurfaced for me recently is just this this charge to have ears to listen and courage to act and just in your own life right now, think about your abiding or your, your life of faith and fellowship with God. Like how often do you just sit in a posture to listen? Not, not that you've made a request and said, God, now answer me, but just where you have, have set in fellowship. You've, you spent time in the word and you've just contemplated and you've brought your request to him. And then you just sit and listen and say, Lord, what is your will for my life? And we just listen. And then, and then do we have courage to act? Because I know that I'm really good about saying, God, like, help me see. And then I love talking about it with people. But actually, how often do we have courage to act? And so to think about, like, we, this opportunity to see our faith deepened, to see our faith strengthened to where we are a people of great faith, it comes out of fellowship with God, and it comes out of walking, actually stepping out in faith as you have opportunity. And again, that's why we emphasize three pursuits together, right? We, we emphasize, hey, we want to call each other to expect each other to and help each other to pursue fellowship with Jesus daily in his word and in prayer. And then we want to help each other pursue and personally pursue deep relationship with one another, not just of this earth, but again, one bound in Christ, enabled by the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, and led by his word. Because when we come together and, and we've, been, we've been with Jesus, we bring Jesus to that time. 
when we've fellowshiped and we've been in the Holy Spirit has stirred us up and worked at us, like what, what is more encouraging than to hear the way that God is just working in his grace and persevering love in someone else? And so that's why we commit to those. And then we commit to living intentionally with God, living out with living out gospel intentionality to our neighbors, right? And so just think about the fellowship with God, and then walks, t- taking steps of faith. That's our opportunity. That's what we want to personally set our, our lives towards. That's what we want to personally take ownership of the person next to you for. We're not a, about like just performing. We're about, about being a people that are, that are encountering Jesus and bringing him to one another in his, in his work and his truth. I mean, again, like, do we have imagination beyond our hands when we think about what God can do in our lives personally as well as through us in this world? And again, just to make sure that we know that like, it's not just my stamp that says we should think that way. Like, hey, let's just remember like in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Like, I pray that out of that, that, that we would be a people marked by, by gospel imagination. You know, uh, in some of our house churches, as we were kind of stepping into this season of prayer and fasting, we encourage everyone to ask these what if questions. What would your life look like if you were free from, from the stronghold of fear? What would your life look like if you were free from the need of approval of others? What would your life look like if you were free from the, from, from the addiction to either, you know, to alcohol or pornography or, or, or success? What would my community look like if, if every orphan were adopted? What would my community look like if, if everyone on my street had a true encounter with the gospel this year? Right, like asking these these questions, we, we, we've compelled each other to that. And I pray that, that as we lean into this, that we would say, Lord, help, help me to have an imagination that reflects, reflects your will, reflects your glory, reflects your, your, your love, your truth, your, your ability. And, and it goes way beyond mine because, you know, I, you know, I've heard it said and, and I've, I've appreciated that, you know, again, if, if we make, if we set our, our, our hearts and our lives towards something, and again, it kind of is what Schindler said as well, to, to something we can accomplish with our hands, our hands, then we're probably not truly leaning in to, to what the Lord desires fully. Now, again, we could be doing great things and there's an opportunity there. But again, how are we looking at God and saying, God, you are you are all that you say you are, and you intend that to work in our midst and through us. What questions and desires do you need to bring to God and listen to what he says and calls you to? Will you act in courageous faith as God continues to make his way known? I mean, I just want, again, who, who is God? Is God greater than these things? Is God greater than your, your sin? How many of you that have confessed Christ still live under the burden of your sin as if it's still your identity? And hey, by the way, if you haven't confessed and believed, he is greater than your sin. He is greater than whatever you think separates you from him. And he's done that in Jesus. Is God greater than your sense of worth? Is God greater than your well-being mentally and emotionally and physically? Again, not that, he's, not, not that everything will be fixed. The one thing that is, we know is 100% in this life is there will be trials. But the promise of Jesus 
the work of the Holy Spirit is that we can know a contentment and a peace and a confidence that is rooted in someone other than us. And that is what God has done in Christ. Is God greater than the well-being of your family? Whether, whether you live in a nuclear family or whether you live with a friend family. Is God greater than the lostness of your community? Do you look out your door and see what God sees? The beauty, the hurt, and the opportunity. So as we, as we lean into this again, we want to hear God's invitation who says, come to me. So the one, I, 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 I've made a way for you to, to, for me and you to have relationship in Christ. So let's live in that relationship. And that's why this month we have focused on the supremacy of Christ. It flows nicely out of what we looked at and what is the church that we, we want to look to the person of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, seeing the people of Jesus, and therefore what comes from all that, the product of Jesus. And so we've been leaning into the supremacy of Jesus. And so just to kind of end our time today, kind of as we come from here, we really just want to kind of open hearts, open minds, open lives, ask like just from wherever you're at, the Lord is stirred in you, I know right now. And each of us, he's worked specifically and uniquely. So like, if, if it's like, Lord, I need courage, I need courage to allow my, my view to be expanded or, or Lord, like, I don't know if I know you that, to that degree. And I, and I, I want to know you like that. Guess what? Like he hears that and he welcomes that. He doesn't shun you. Like he doesn't say, well, gosh, like what about these past a thousand times I've tried to try to make myself known to you? What about that time I sent Jesus to down a cross for you to like restore our relationship? Like what about that time that like I reminded you in the still small voice? He doesn't do any of that. He welcomes you again. So we just want to come in before it's just in a posture of, of, of humility, a posture of, of gratitude. Just, I guess, how about the posture of wherever you are right now? That's great. Just, just come before the Lord. Let's consider who is God? What has he done in Christ? Who is Christ to you? Life and through your life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this in prayer. And then we're going to be led in some more time of prayer as well as a time of response and song. And um, just continue in this time. So Lord, we just surrender all to you. Lord, you are good. Um, Lord, we, we do want to be a people of great faith, but not as some mark or metric of achievement. But Lord, out of knowing you, having fellowship with you, and Lord, being a people or that are walking by faith, and Lord, seeing um, just again your work, your will, your goodness, your grace, Lord, uh, again, residing in our midst as well as propelling through us in our lives. So Lord, we commit to enjoy the smallness of every day of each life. We want to see the call to, to make disciples of Jesus push down deep into every person that is called on Christ. We want to see the reality and a reveling of, of again, the, just to the unfathomable reality that, that Jesus intervened and made us whole and to see that only invigorate our time together and only, and only um, again, just stir us up to this life. Lord, help us not to have a domesticated view of you. Lord, forgive us where we have. And Lord, thank you for forgiving us and inviting us in. In Jesus' name, amen.